Hello and welcome back to Dark Pages from the Old Attic. A podcast where we sit in this musty old loft and read out some of the hundreds of stories scattered about the place. I'm Clara and this strange fellow here is Ella. Strange? Or genius? Why not both? Yes, the perfect combination. But we cannot waste time discussing what a great person I am. Because Ghost Detective Clara has made a new discovery. Yes. If you remember our third story about the spooky thing at the chateau, with the man Liz staying with the Marquez in the B&B home. Yes. David and Mary. What a sweet couple. Except they weren't. David kept disturbing the poor ghost upstairs, trying to have the annual ghost convention. Despite the warnings from the hosts, Valerie and Jerome. And of course, the ghost got mad in the end and chased them out of the house. Okay. But what does the rude couple at the chateau have to do with your ghost detective finding? This. The story of that haunted chateau told by the Marquess. But first, let's read it. Then we'll talk about it afterwards. Oh, come on! I thought you were the one who hated cliffhangers! You reap what you sow. Now, the story is written sort of like an interview with Valerie and Jerome doing most of the talking, but also with a few remarks from Agnes, apparently. Ooh, cool. You want to read it with me, then? So it feels like a real interview. Um, sure. I'll take uh, Valerie's lines. You can take Jerome's. Sounds good to me. Okay, here we go. Upstairs at the chateau. The other side. This story was recorded on the 2nd of August 1996 at Chateau de Combe in France from Valérie and Jérôme Maquette. It is a translation of the original French text and Agnes gave it the code L1GP. Valérie speaks first, followed by Jérôme. We remember the Manders. Of course we do. They had a most terrible stay with us. Especially Marie, she was very frightened when we drove them to Aubusson the last night. Not our fault entirely. If Mr. Manley had followed our instructions, they would have had a perfectly fine holiday with us. Marie did complain about the noise though, didn't she? And we can't really say it was their fault. Yes. Well, what done is done. No harm came to anyone. But you already have their story, you say? Agnes says, Exactly. I'd be fascinated to hear your side of it. Where do we begin? Agnes says, Sounds promising. Try to think of the first time something seemed strange, and then build from there. Valerie says, Well, to be honest, the first time I thought something was strange, and I think this goes for Jérôme as well, it was when we bought the chateau to begin with. It was the summer of 81. We were looking at several options and wanted a final look at this place, which I think we knew was the favorite. Beautiful surroundings, sufficient space for the B&B idea we had, and uh, it was cheap. Surprisingly cheap. So much so we wanted to know what the reason was. We asked the real estate agent, but he was very hesitant to begin with. We were out in the courtyard and I remember a cloud passed in front of the sun because suddenly it felt cold. And then the agent glanced up at the chateau. That's 
when he said we shouldn't expect to be able to use that floor for anything, not even storage. We were of course very surprised by this admittance. I asked him why. Was the structure unsafe? Mildew? But he said no, none of that. And he pointed to the build report, which clearly stated the structure was sound. When he spoke, he said it was because of the second floor, which we had seen on our first visit. I didn't quite follow because... Sure, it was in a terrible state compared to the rest of the house, but nothing we couldn't fix. Not enough to explain the low price. But what was it then, we asked him. And he said he couldn't explain it. There was just something about that floor that made people avoid it. It wasn't dangerous, just. And I remember the exact word he used because I found it a little unsettling. He said it was unwelcoming. Well, we asked to see the floor again, and while we were there, the only feeling we had was of the great potential the place had. Yes, there were cobwebs everywhere, like banks of mist under the ceiling, the wallpapers peeled, the floors were dusty enough to leave footprints, and all the windows were yellow with grime. But it could be put in order. We closed the deal the next day, and Chateau de Coombs had a new household. Luckily, we had substantial savings, for we ate through a good deal of them, getting the house ready for guests and for ourselves, for that matter. We took a rather systematic approach, so we didn't spend much time on the second floor the first few months of living there. During those months, we heard things, but it's a grand old house and we were still getting used to its quirks. It was almost a year before we really went up there to do something. We had finished most of the guest rooms on the first floor and were looking for what we could do upstairs without disturbing our guests during the summer. We settled on cleaning first, starting with the big room just up the stairs. There was some old stuff up there, like rusty bed frames and such. We started by breaking it down, but already on the first day we had a strange experience. I was in the big room, taking a short break to look at the forest outside, when I heard a cough behind me. As I said, it was a dusty place, so it wasn't unexpected. But when I turned around, I saw I was alone. After a moment of unease, I decided it must have been one of the guests I'd heard through the floor. Though it would have had to be a loud cough. I thought it was a guest too. I had a similar experience a few days later. I was up there and I knew Val was out of town with a friend and the guests were mostly out as well. It was a quiet day to get some work done, but I just kept hearing footsteps. Like Val, I thought it might have been the guests downstairs, but at this point I thought I knew how the floorboards cracked. It was unsettling, put my instincts on alert, made me more susceptible to seeing things in the shadows, if you can follow. Agnes says, I do. Please go on. Well, if you look at the things individually, they were small and I guess explicable, but together, it was just... It wasn't pleasant up there. You didn't go there unless you really had to. Like, I like wandering the house sometimes, just looking around and seeing if everything is in order. But I never just went up there. It didn't help with the slamming doors either. 
I got quite startled whenever it happened, and it seemed no amount of stoppers could prevent it. I would be in a room fixing the clasps on a window, when suddenly, BAM! Dropped my tools and had a racing heart for a few minutes. We shouldn't forget the things that went missing. Buckets, brooms, screwdrivers. Just gone from one moment to the next. I tried putting down a rag I was cleaning a windowsill with and when I looked down, it was gone. It was incredibly frustrating. That was about the time we began looking for carpenters to do some of the heavy repairs. Like changing doors, fixing window frames and such. But whenever we were talking to them, as soon as we mentioned where the work was to be done, they backed out. We had lived in the area for a year at this point, and people knew us. They knew we were from the chateau, and they all warily asked if the work was to be done on the second floor. And when we said yes, that would be the end of it. We couldn't get a single carpenter up there. When this had been going on for a few weeks, we decided to raise the issue with a couple of friends we had made in the area since moving here. They'd grown up here and we asked if they had an idea why no one would work in the chateau. They both seemed incredulous that we hadn't already heard the stories. They couldn't believe we hadn't been told when we bought the place. It's haunted, they said. At first, I must admit, I was taken aback by this explanation. I had expected to hear stories of former owners of the chateau mistreating workers or maybe something about terrible accidents or something. But no. The thing that kept the carpenters away were ghosts. They said the chateau had been used as a hospital during the Great War with many soldiers dying on the upper floor. The souls of long-dead soldiers and nurses lingered, they said, at least according to local belief. They asked if we had experienced anything, because it was a common thing for people going there. We said nothing we couldn't explain had happened. At this point, we had put the missing items down to our own forgetfulness, and perhaps the guest's children playing pranks on us. I don't know what they thought of that or if they really believe the chateau to be haunted, but at least enough people in the area believed it to make it impossible for us to get help restoring that floor. The real estate agent's words seemed to be coming true. We couldn't use that space at all. But then I had an idea. Instead of bowing to the superstition surrounding our house, we could embrace it and turn it to our advantage. We could restore the floor ourselves and brand the second floor rooms as the most haunted in the area. If what happened to us happened to the guests, they would be delighted. It was the perfect solution in my opinion. Uh, only uh, we had to restore the entire floor by ourselves. Which we tried. But that's when things took a turn for the worse. Do you want to tell it? Yeah, yes. So. Uh... I was on a ladder one day, trying to disassemble some old wiring in the ceiling, when something struck my back. I looked around and saw a ball of crumpled up paper roll away in the dust. No one was around. Belle was outside in the garden. I knew because I had seen her out in the window moments before, and I had heard no footsteps. In fact, everything was very quiet. The paper ball came to rest and I just looked at it. 
trying to think of an explanation, but couldn't think of any. I ended up just turning back to my work. What else could I do? I was almost done when I heard a door open somewhere behind me. It was followed by footsteps, heavy, like whoever made them wore some sort of boots. Again, I turned on my ladder, watching the empty room. As the footsteps came through the door, they cracked across the floor, stopping at the crumbled paper ball. Then the ball was crushed flat by the thin air to the sound of the boot stomping angrily on the floor. I could barely breathe, and I tried to step down the ladder, but the rung fell off beneath me, and I fell. I found him not long after when I came up to see how he was doing. He lay at the bottom of the ladder and I rushed to him. Thankfully he seemed to be alright. I thought the ladder must have broken, but while the rung was missing, it wasn't broken. It seemed to have just fallen off and the screws meant to hold it in place lay on the floor. Before I could decide what to do with Jerome, there was a rush through the dust on the floor, as if someone had swept a blanket across it. It moved towards me, turning away in the last moment and headed for the door to the corridor further in. And then this old-timey music started playing. Agnes says, Music? Uh, pardon, don't let me interrupt you. I was afraid, but I wanted to know what was happening. Who was doing this to us? So I went after it. The music came from behind a closed door in the corridor that none of us had shut. And when I opened it, I don't know. Agnes says, Can you describe what you saw? Well, it was this old gramophone player we had seen but never decided what to do with. But it was moving. And on the turntable was an old gramophone disc. What will age like old floorboards that had soaked up leaking water for decades? And it was terribly cracked as it spun slowly, and the pickup jumped and bumped on this uneven surface. And yet, the music came out clear. Have you ever seen something you know can't be real, yet there it is, before your eyes? Agnes says, Unfortunately not. Well, it's... it's humbling. You suddenly feel incredible small. Like you think you know how the world works in general, but then you realize you don't. When I had recovered from the shock, I went towards the turntable to investigate, and the door slammed shut behind me. I turned and pulled on the handle, but it wouldn't move, and... Then I heard a scraping sound behind me, and I saw the table where the gramophone player was sliding towards me, leaving long lines in the dust. At this point, I had woken up and heard Val pounding on the door. I went after her, but no matter how hard I tried, the thing wouldn't open. There was a toolbox close to the door, and I grabbed a screwdriver and started pulling out the screws in the hinges. But the table at the gramophone was almost at me, and it kicked it. It fell over and the gramophone hit the floor with a crash, but the music kept playing. I pulled out a few more screws as the dust began rising from the floor. Suddenly it whirled around as if a storm was blowing in through the closed windows, and the table was flung at me and it hit me hard on the leg. The dust was choking when I got the final screw out and thankfully the door fell out of the frame, letting me escape. 
I just grabbed Val's hand and ran for the stairs. And we never went up there again. We would still hear the footsteps up there, and guests would ask us about it. So we invented the sick cousin, and it worked for some years, until the manlies came. When we heard those footsteps coming down the stairs, leaving the second floor to invade ours, well, I thought we might as well abandon the whole house. We stayed away for days until we had the courage to go back and see how things were. Luckily, things were back to normal. We could resume our life, but I must say, I've not felt entirely safe since the incident with the manless. Whatever is up there can clearly go beyond the second floor if it wants to. We just hope it's content with being left alone. Will this do? Agnes finishes by saying, Yes, this will do fine indeed. It was fun reading it together. Great teamwork, I must say. Yes, I've stumbled on other stories like this, so we could do another one in the future. How many of the stories have you read? How much time do you spend up here? You're the one who lets me in. Yeah, right. And it is quite cozy you hanging out in the attic. Feels less empty here, you know. Wait, I let myself get distracted. Clara, what was the discovery? Well... It's not that much, really. Just that the story was recorded only five months after the first one, so Agnes must have sought out the Marquess after getting David Manley's story. Isn't that interesting? She went all the way out in the middle of France to get their side of the story. Damn, she really was serious about her ghost story collection. Or serious about her research. Or finding that something she mentioned at the parafoam. <gasps> we could try to find that something. As real ghost detectives. A ghost adventure. That sounds fun. But where do we begin? Just read more stories? Yes, but also compare the stories. Connect the dots. Oh, I'll get some red yarn for next time. Then we can put up our ghost theories and see if anything is connected. Good idea. Then I'll get some folders so we can organize the stories we read. But yeah, I think that's what we had time for today. Join us in two weeks for another ghost story to chill your bones. And until then, take care. Yes, have a spooky week and get ready for ghost adventure time. Today's episode of Dark Pages from the Old Attic was written and voiced by Zoe and Vicky Suvang. We try to release a new episode every other Friday, and you can head over to our Instagram at Dark Pages Podcast for updates, teasers, and illustrations for each episode. If you wish to support us, give us a rating and review on the platform you're listening to the podcast. And don't let your friends miss out on the spooky times. You can contact us on our Instagram or our mail, darkpagespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you in the next episode.